All right. Welcome, everybody. It is episode 29 of Hot Take from the Kitchen, in October 8th, 2018. We're one episode away from number 30. So. The big 3-0. Yes. That's our, exciting. Our goal. It is. Our goal is to then to make it to 30. Um, we're obviously going to do it. <laughs> oh, God willing, we're going to do it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So. It's been a fun ride. So. I... I mean, we're pleasantly surprised by the people that listen, obviously. But I think the thing is, I'll be honest, the thing that surprised me the most is how much you enjoy this. I look forward to it every week. I know you do. And, like, you, in fact, at times you carry me through it just because I can see you're so excited about it that I, I, there's moments where I'm like, oh, man, it's Monday. Yeah, because Monday's going to be brutal. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know if I really want to go do the pod. And then you'll start texting me, like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. But, yeah, you're. Your excitement for it and your enthusiasm is this is your, your excited face for those that are watching sideways. <laughs> it is. So, yeah. tell. <laughs> so, all right. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Hot Take from the Kitchen. It's probably more on Facebook than Instagram. But I'm going to work on that. It's all right. You take your time. Yeah. <laughs> and our email address is hot take from the kitchen at gmail.com. It is H O T T A K E F R O M. O-M-T-H-E-K-I-T-C-H-E-N at gmail.com. That's a mouthful. It is. He's got so good at it, though. I feel like we need to change it up on you next year. No. No. All right. All right. And we do have one email this week. It is a reminder from Anda Brindley about the book festival going on this week downtown. And she says, hi, Brad and Steve. Here's a schedule of events for the book festival. Totes and t-shirts will be available to purchase during the festival. All proceeds go to the reprogram at the library. Thank you. If you could mention it, would be much appreciated. Anna, and the schedule is as follows. I believe it's Saturday. So 10 a.m. There is an all about name Nano Rimo with Chandra Stafford at the library. If you say that fast three times. I can't even say it slow. So I don't <laughs> At 11 with Marty Joe Link, author talk at the library. At noon is a break and lunch at As You Wish Gourmet Eatery. 1 p.m. is our, the author reading start at Blue Phoenix. 2 o'clock, a panel discussion, Why I Write at Blue Phoenix. 3 p.m. is another panel discussion, When You're a Michigan Writer at Olivet Book and Gift. 4 p.m. is another author reading at Olivet Gift, book and gift, and five o'clock book sales and signings start at the bookstores. That's both. It's a packed schedule for the day. That's in, right in downtown Alpena? Yes. Should be a good time. So it's like it's the library and then As You Wish, Blue Phoenix, and all of that. I was there Saturday as you were, but we were there different times. Yes. So they were out of sugar cookies and I was devastated. I brought my daughter. I was like, you got to have the sugar cookie. We walk in there. We're out. I was like, what the hell, Anna? Well, they were busy, I understand. So. All right, I guess we'll move on to our hot takes for tonight. And our first topic, Facebook unveils portal, their video chatting hardware. So it's kind of like Amazon Echo or what they got going on. Amazon Show. Yeah. Yes. Very one more step closer to the Jetsons is where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. So. Kind of crazy. I mean, 
Yeah, they said that the thing that people are worried about with them is that they do such a terrible job of protecting your data. So it's just another thing that they can kind of screw up. Um, to you know, and then also the thing is is that you know the same problem you had when Xbox first came out with their stuff was that will it be turned off really, and will the people be able to listen and watch and all that other crazy stuff? So. But I mean, as we've said on here before, if the government wants to listen, they're just going to find a way. So yeah, and with my Alexa, she just comes on at random points. Right during the podcast, yeah. in fact. So who knows what'll happen with this? All right, our second hot take is SpaceX launched and landed a rocket last night in California. Yes. So they launched the <clears> rocket <throat> and dropped off a satellite, and then the rocket came back and landed on its own. Kind of cool and they say impressive it's the, that it yeah. could just land on its own. Normally they have to retrieve the rocket, but this time it actually landed on its own. And uh, the time lapses are amazing on it. So I watched uh, you when you sent me it. I looked and then I was like, <clears throat> "This is fantastic!" Yeah. So I have a cousin and his wife live out in California, Northern California, by San Francisco, and she took a picture. Or a couple pictures, and I know you're not going to be able to see it on the video, but it's what it looked like. So it's incredible. You know. It looked like Superman flying through the sky, yeah. like when he goes supersonic, and then it like that ring comes out, <laughs> and then he takes off. That's exactly what it looked like. I was just yeah. Do yourself a favor, and if you know, you just Google search SpaceX time lapse, and it's worth just. I wouldn't watch them a lot of times, but. <laughs> It's worth the one watch. It's just amazing what we can do with technology now. Yes. Yeah. We can do a really amateurish podcast. <laughs> so. All right. <clears throat> so I don't know if you want to talk about your third topic. Oh, well, Google Plus. Google canceled Google Plus. I saw that when I was kind of searching. And I was kind of surprised. Uh, they said that they, too, have data leak, and they didn't want to actually discuss it. And so they're going to do a slow roll back and then roll something else out. They have found that their niche for Google Plus is more for professionals. A lot of businesses use it to communicate back, kind of like MSN Messenger back in the day. And uh, so they do want to still, they're working on having something for that platform, but I think they're just going to retire it, which is somewhat interesting because for a while there was, you know, Facebook, Twitter, and then Google Plus. So, All right. Yes. We'll read off last week's question. Do we have anyone answer? Nope. <laughs> and we didn't get a new one for this week either. So, Well, this could just be a will's answer, and then we'll kind of we'll let them decide. Yep. All right. Last week's question was, which bridge in Alpina won an award for being beautiful? I knew this one right away. Yep. Do you know what it is? Repeat that. Which original what? Which bridge in Alpina won an award for being beautiful? Hmm. I don't know this. Yeah, I think the problem people will do is they'll make it harder than they think it is. So, um, but it's the second half of the bridge. Really? Yeah. For being beautiful, huh? Yeah. That drawbridge, I guess. I don't know. I remember my father-in-law gave me some facts on the second half. Well, that would of, that would I could see draw that parallel. Yeah, yeah. I think you see how that he would know that well. Yeah, but um, yeah, th that bridge is something special. Just in not just in the state of Michigan, but nationally. So. It's an impressive mechanical device. It just, I, 
Yeah. I'm not saying it's ugly. It just it surprised <laughs> me that it would be considered beautiful. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, if you do it right, you know, sunset, you know, glass bottom boat. It's beautiful if it works. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it normally does. So yeah. that's, yeah. they do a good job maintaining it. Yeah. yeah. That's true. All right. I guess we should introduce our guests, Matt Cameron. Matt Cameron. Yeah. Yes. The weird third voice talking on the pad, on the podcast. Well, you can see him right now. But... <laughs> yeah. Um, I know Matt. I know Matt through basketball a little bit, as did you. Yes. And then, of course, I've gotten to know his family a lot closer over these past uh, five, six years at, with the ancients. And so it's been kind of crazy. Um, like, I think I've said this, I think last week or the week before, but I kind of knew you beforehand and I like to compartmentalize things. So I kind of knew you over here and then as, you know, work and then I've gotten to know your family. It's been interesting. I've, um, nothing but respect for you and your family. Just, well, thank I you. Think you guys are amazing people. So I'm not getting too crazy. Into it. So yeah. Well, thank you. Man, no problem. Anything else? No, I think that's it for right now. I was trying to think if there was anything else. It did feel, without having a second trivia question, it kind of feels weird, but yes. Matt doesn't get to draw the winner. Mm-hmm. It would have been me because I knew the answer. <laughs> so, all right. Well, well we're at some t-shirts in the closet. I know. Want. We still have all that stuff. So, okay. um, we'll wrap this segment up, and then we'll start, and we'll get right down to the nitty-gritty. All right. So, right. good. All right. Kind of like. So I think the most interesting thing is I found a ton of information about you in college. Really? But I tell you what, if you try to find something about basketball, good luck. Yeah. Anything pre-2000. And also, it made me realize that Alpena could do a better job of, like, their sports hall of fame and wall of fame. Mm-hmm. They could really do some type of online presence with that. Mm-hmm. They really could. You know, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be very hard. You know, I, I get it. It, it takes time. You know, but it takes someone to do it. It takes someone yeah. to do it. But really, man alive. Well, I'm, I'm, not, for you for I'm, not, doing I'm not doing it. But um, I, I, I've reached this a neat point in my life where I feel like you know I've done enough. I don't. I can. I don't have to do it. That's kind of where I'm at with my life right now. So, um, but yeah, that would be neat because. Like, I'll be honest, I couldn't find anything in high school, and I kind of panicked. But I knew that plaque in the A-plus had some stuff on mm-hmm. it. So I was just, Brian was leaving yoga. I was like, dude, I've been searching Google for an hour, and my Google search on the computer is exhausted from just typing, you know, because a lot of times it's just the right combination of yep. words yep. triggers it. Yeah. Man, I gave up. It's a pre-internet area. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I found a ton of Jason Richardson stuff because you know, when you hit it, when you're in that 97, 98 oh, yeah. range, you know, yep. you're, you know, you're in that, you're in that realm. Yeah. So like, and then I found, it was just interesting the things you find. And of course I tried not to click on them. Cause then you end up deep diving and then, you know, just like, Oh man. So yeah, he wasn't even the best player on that team. <laughs> yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I remember I was, that's when I would have left for training for Foot Locker, um, his 99 year. Is it right? He was 99 and he graduated. He would have been, I think he's the exact same age as, no, he was a junior. He yeah. was a junior when I was a senior. Yes, yeah, he so graduated in 99. Yep. That next yep. year, I was in Saginaw, um, manager training for Full Locker, and it was him versus, I think, Roberson, who was yeah. at Saginaw Northern. Anthony, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And they had it at the Civic Center, 
the place was huge, and I've never seen a game like that. They televised it on TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just like, holy cow. I mean, it's like growing up here. Yeah. You know, whatever. I mean, admittedly, that was on the heels of the Alpita Potosky, which yeah. was in its own right pretty cool. But, uh, um, yeah. So, um, so here we go. We got four letters, two each in baseball and basketball. I'm going to embarrass the living snot out of you tonight. Great. So I hope you're ready for it. I, I told, actually told your parents I was at dinner. Our, we had a beer Saturday. It's like, I'm going to embarrass the living snot out of your kid. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I am going to go over it all. Like, I don't know if like some of the stuff I didn't even know. Like I look at it, I'm like, man, are you shitting me? Like, I cannot believe it. So, but I was like, I tell my kids all the time. I get four little kids and, I don't get embarrassed that easy anymore. Well, so, that's true. You know, I understand really... that, but I mean, you're—I don't want to say. I mean, you're very humble and grounded, and uh, I mean, we'll talk about your stuff as we go along. So, um, yeah. So, baseball and basketball. I don't think a lot of people realize you're a very good baseball player as well. I love baseball. That's yeah. probably. I love baseball. Michigan Tech didn't have much of a baseball season, so <laughs> I want to go to school there. So, I kind of had to give that one up. Yeah, you're a pitcher. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. Um, two time, two time all conference, first team all state, class A in basketball. Mm-hmm. So, uh, then of course we had uh, Matt Vichinsky way back in episode three. Yeah. Oh, I did a good pull there. I'm proud of myself. It was yeah. Yeah. So episode three, we talked a little about the, the olden day stuff. Yeah. Which uh, it's kind of crazy. Anything you'd like to share and enlighten? Uh, anything to add from Matt's? Sometimes I feel always every time Matt tells the stories, they tend to get bigger and more wild. So, um, no, I, I listened to that podcast and I and I thought he did he did well on that. Um, you know that was a that was a uh, that was a really that was a really solid team uh, everywhere from the starters down to the reserves. You know, you had two, carried twelve guys in that team, and it seemed like at different points everybody had a contribution to that. Um, you know, we all know that we remember watching Matt. I mean. You know the the combination of his size and his his speed and his ability, and then of course Eric, who just never stopped playing basketball ever. Yeah. Um, and then all the complimentary pieces, and and uh, the one thing I the, the one thing I love about that team is, uh, you know, Dave McDonald um, was an excellent strategic coach. Um, you know, say whatever you will about how how the lack of depth in the playoffs that we went with with the talent and the height that we had. But he taught us that uh, matchup zone that Temple ran, Don Chaney ran, and and it would be the third quarter. Once it took us a year, almost two years to learn, but he had everybody doing it all summer. You know, we went to four or five team camps, and and uh, but that's a very hard defense to learn because you're you're playing zone, yeah. but you're guarding a man yeah. all the time. And Michigan State is a moving to the matchup zone. Down it's the road. it's incredible. And in high school, you know, there'd be teams that they wouldn't figure out that we were in a zone until the third quarter. And, and and so that was I have to give him a lot of credit for that because that was that was really something new, um, and uh, and and that was a thinking team. We had to, they had to do a lot of thinking, and and unfortunately we uh, you know once we got past the district we uh, weren't able to finish the job. But uh, those were those were really good memories from from then. That boy, we really we really had a lot of confidence. Yeah, thinking in teams is a great way of saying it. I mean, you had um, you and Eric who were very, I mean, you were also very talented, but also very cerebral with the game, you know, and um, the matchup zone, I always found that fascinating when you look back at it now, because, I mean, at the time, no one even thought of really playing it. Not high school. school. Not high school. school. No. And I think 
what helped it the most is it's one thing to try to implement something like a matchup zone. And I don't, if those of you who don't know basketball at all very well, you know, man to man defense is like guarding your person. You're running around chasing them and trying to stop them from scoring. Then there's a zone. And the way I always tell little kids is everybody's got their own backyard. They have to worry about the so you just kind of section of court up in the backyards. A matchup zone is like a hybrid of that. Yeah. So it's both. Yeah. You're guarding a, a, an area. But you're also guarding a man, and if that if, if all five men go to one side of the court, then all five defenders are on that side of the court as well. Yeah, you go with them. Yeah. Um. But but it's uh it's it's constant talking, and it's like a it's like a everyone's on a string, and you got to pull it. You know. Yeah. And so yeah, it's 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 pretty cool once you get it down. Yeah. You guys had <coughs> the um the right players to be able to maximize that as well. Sure. You know. Sure. I remember the one my favorite. One of my favorite members of you was you guys played home at Cadillac, and there was a kid wide open in the corner for a three pointer. And you were, I know you were under the basket. I remember I watched it, and you got out there to block that shot. And I swear, when you jumped, you had a block of your elbow, though. But when that ball came swinging around, you were underneath that basket. I remember seeing that. I mean, just, but you got out there so quick. And I remember that kid took a little bit of time to size it up to make sure he was going to get open. Yeah, yeah. Put it in. Never got shot. We I mean, you worked hard, and, you know. And and Dave never swore. It was it was a coach that he would not he would not swear ever. Um, but uh, he he you didn't you didn't screw around. Yeah. And that was that he played hard, and he got a, he got everything out of everybody. Um, you know, especially Eric. Eric really, Eric really thrived. You know, he really took all that stuff to heart, and and everything that he asked for, Dave would give him. Yeah. You know, and so uh, that was a good. And vice versa. Absolutely, hundred percent right. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, we forget too. You know, you had you had Brady Smith up there. You know, um, playing guard in there, and, and another really smart player, really heady, gritty player, and and of course Rondo on the front line, and yeah. and all the way down. Even like I said, the complimentary pieces. You know, Kevin Morford, Jimmy McEwen, yeah. uh, Matt Nowak. These guys all. Yeah. These guys all at one point or another scored. You know, 10, 15 points in a game where, you know, they go triangle in two. And then Kevin would get 18. Yeah. You know, and it just, it just kills another team. I mean, when you, when that happens. So yeah. that was what I remember most about that team. I also remember the, the two Petoskey games, you know, and, uh, you know, Flynn gets 35 on us in the first game. So we practiced for two weeks against him and he gets 43 the next one, but he shot 30 free throws, you know, and it just like, you know, it was the same in college, you know, followed it all the way through and it was the same thing. You couldn't touch him. You get a foul call on you shooting free throws again, you know, but. But yeah, we pulled up that Petoskey game, and there was people around the block. That was pretty, pretty incredible. It was not very often that where you had. I still don't. I mean, I think it happens downstate, but at least in northern Michigan, in our neck of the woods, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, you don't have two of the top basketball teams in the entire state playing each other. No, not in the regular season. Yeah, no, no, yeah. that was yeah. And uh, so yeah, that was kind of. And then, of course, on that team, when you were playing, there was a kid named Nate Barton. Oh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. So um, we're using Nate as a segue, but that's kind of part of the story, right? So, I mean, so they were watching the tape. My, my understanding is they were watching that tape with Nate Barton, the, the tech people, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we They recruited him. Yep. Absolutely. They were trying to get Nate, and they were watching the tape, and they saw another skinny kid. <laughs> yep. which, which happened to be you. Yeah, I wasn't a seven-foot left-hand, <laughs> left-hander at all. So yeah. it was uh, – yeah, it was it, it was an interesting thing that we ended up at Tech just because uh, I wanted to go to school there, and and that was just first and foremost. I wanted to, I wanted to be an engineer and I wanted to go to school there, and 
So, you know, uh, Pintar worked a lot with me. Um, he told me, in fact, he told me after my sophomore year, he says, you know, your shot's too slow. It, it's too slow. You, you got to get it off quicker. And he'd work with me after practice and, and, uh, and work on, on speeding it up. And then of course I grew and, you know, kind of everything started to come together when I was a junior and, and, um, my parents drove me up to tech. They, we drove up there in the morning, uh, worked out for about an hour and, uh, we drove home that day and, um, they offered me a little bit of money and I was like, well, I was going to go there anyway. (laughs) So, you know, and then of course having that red shirt, I registered in my first year and that, but yeah, it was, it was, it was funny because I did, then they Grand Valley did call me after I, after I signed and, and of course it was just, just too late at that point, but it, you know, not that I would have changed anyway, yeah, I but mean, you're, I was you're, going. Yeah, you're going to Tech. No yeah. What. Yeah, Eric and I actually took a recruiting trip together to Lake State. <laughs> Eric Mashinsky and I. So we drove up there together. So um, Eric would be a great one to have on the pod if he could ever oh, figure out a way. We'd probably have to drive out there, which probably wouldn't be a bad thing. I wouldn't mind making the trip out there. Oh, yeah. he's. He, I just saw him a couple weeks ago. Yeah. He, um, God bless him. Uh, you know, I I just saw Marty Mix uh, about a month ago, and there's you know it's funny when you grow up in this you know with all these guys and they're all coaching different places, and your kids go, which I mean I know you know, um, you get to see you get to reunite and talk, and you know I remember when we went up to Onaway for uh, Gage football game, I talked to Marty Mix for a quarter and a half. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Was, Finally, he was like, "Dude, I gotta go. It's halftime." Yeah, yeah. You know, Marty's doing eighty million yeah. things out there. So he's like, I gotta go. And so uh, he's gone. And then, you know, we'll see. I'll always say Eric. And then it doesn't really matter what he has going on, whether in warm ups or whatever, at halftime, he'll always find find me in the stands and come talk to me for a couple of minutes. And his success is absolutely no surprise. I mean, you know, that guy, he, he was just built for that. And, yeah. and he's a, he's a, he was a phenomenal player. His, his body broke down on him a little bit when he was at ACC. You know, his back started giving him trouble. And, and, uh, but I think he's an even better coach. You know, he, those kids will run through a brick wall and then they'll find a different spot to run back to the other way, yeah. you know? And so. Well, that's how Eric was though, right? Oh yeah. That's, I mean, that's exactly how he was. Yeah. I mean, he, I remember he walked around an entire summer in those strength shoes trying to try and increase his vertical. <laughs> yeah. I guess he wanted to jump higher, you know, yeah. but it was the entire summer he dribbled down the back, you know, down the, down the road and in his, uh, strength shoes. I mean, that's, it's kind of how it was, but. Um, so I don't know if some people know, I mean, to me, I know it, but I always try to take a step back. And, so you were redshirted your first year at Tech, mm-hmm. and uh, once you kind of talk about that, so you get to Tech, you decided you're going to play basketball for a little bit with them, yep. and then you're going to you took decided to take a redshirt, or did you know that right away? I can't do that right away. Actually, it worked out really good because they had a very uh, senior laden team, and um, they had actually recruited six of us at the same time, and uh, it was almost like that exact team, you know, and I, I was playing two guard in high school and, and then kind of, they're looking at me as small forward in college and, and I was skinny. I mean, I, one thing, you know, you hate to say back then because it makes you feel really old, but you know, there was no talk about lifting weights. We never lifted weights as a team. I mean, Kate, you know, Matt Shinsky lifted cause he played football and you know, I'm sure Eric did, mm-hmm. but I mean, everybody else like, you know, what was that? Strength and conditioning, it was more conditioning than straight. It was conditioning. <laughs> yeah, it was just running, you know, yeah. and, and so we didn't know any better. I, you know, I went to tech, I was six, seven, you know, 165 pounds, I think. And so it was kind of like, all right, we got these six freshmen that just came in and, and they could be good. And so they basically registered all of us. 
uh, I shouldn't say our point guard that came in, uh, Omari Ruffin from from Detroit Renaissance. He uh, he played because he was physically he was physically and, and maturity wise ready. So the other five of us redshirted, and uh, so we played all the way through together, um, which was huge because we went every day of practice against those guys, and it was just us against all them. And I mean, we got the shit kicked out of us physically. Yeah. I mean, there was a guy that I went up against that just made it his job to just beat me as hard as he could. Yeah. And I mean, he would just, he would drive into me with his shoulder and just put it right in my sternum and just, you know, and then you got no chance then you're playing straight up defense, but you just get this hole put in your chest. And it's kind of like you, you either take that or you decide to start fighting back. And yeah. so, and, and there was game, there was days that we started winning and that just made him even matter, you know? And so it would just, it, it made us so much better. And they were good. Yeah. They were really good. I was going to say, it's worth bringing up that I think your senior, so your, your retro year, you watched them win a GLIAC, they won a championship or a conference. They, they, uh, they, they lost the comp, they lost the conference championship okay. uh, game. They played in the, in that game, okay. uh, lost to Northern. And Northern was, Northern was incredible then. And like three or four all conference players on the team. And one guy that was an all American and, and, uh, so yeah, that uh, they were good, and that's that, I, I have no doubt that that pretty much formed us. And 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 you know once we once we got in, um, you know our our freshman year we had some success, uh, won twenty games I think. In our sophomore year we we won like nineteen, and lost eleven, kind of had a little bit of a weird, not a sophomore slump really, but. Uh, the year before we won seven games by three or less. And the next year we lost seven games by three or less. And it was just kind of that, yeah. the, the league had figured everybody out and, you know, um, and then we kind of dedicated ourselves to junior year. Cause by then it was pretty obvious that we could be good. And, um, you know, everybody dedicated during the summer, you know, everybody's running, everybody's lifting, everybody's shooting, everybody comes back to tech. And of course the coach always loved to do the uh, three mile, um, interval run, you know, where the last guy sprints to the front. So it's a 12 second sprint. And usually there was guys puking and, you know, stuff like that. And I remember that junior year that everybody came back and it was just, nobody was struggling. Everybody was just <laughs> running, you know, and it was, so we went 26 and three that year. Um, won the GLIAC, went to the uh, NCAA tournament. We went to the NCAA tournament in, in our freshman year too, but um, it won a game, stole a game. I got you won 27 and three that year. 27-3? Okay. Yeah. So, I'll take the extra win. I mean, that's, well, that's fine. If you're giving them out, I'll take I it. I mean, you kind of ran ahead, and I let you go. But okay. I'll bring it back. But okay. So, but there's a couple of things I want I think the first thing that I think I really want to emphasize this, and I don't know if I just – you breeze by it when you talk about it. It's so very casual. But how unbelievably hard you had to work that retro year. And yeah. Not just you, but the five of you. Yeah. Because I think – Two things happen, which, of course, whether the coach wants, whether your coach will ever admit to it or not, but that the, the abuse that you five took from that the, from the team galvanized the five of you. I mean, you guys are all friends right even now. Oh yeah, and, yeah. We're, and we're great friends even with those older guys. It was yeah. never a personal thing, but it was just like, hey, we're going to kick your ass because yeah. we should. Yeah, they told that's. I always told Jordan for basketball. My son's obviously not a basketball player. You know, maybe you guys both know him. So, but I told him his senior year, I go, you're, you're the whole job this year. I mean, it was only like him and Matthew were the only two seniors this senior year and they were both short and 
really not, they're not basketball players. I go, but your legacy will be teaching these kids mm-hmm. how to practice mm-hmm. the attitude and just kick the little bit of snot out of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, you can make them better. Yeah. Make them better. You cannot beat these boys <laughs> hard enough to practice Jordan. And you know, that's kind of what they did for you guys, obviously. Um, so your freshman year, I did, this was the first fact that I didn't know you were national freshman of the year. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. D2 national freshman of the year. Yeah, I think there was an academic portion of that, but I, I can't yeah. remember that exactly. And I got that too. I got that. So you were all GLIAC 2000, 2001, 2002, and 2003. So you're all GLIAC. I feel like I kind of got lucky my freshman year just based on other guys in the league because to get the all-conference first team for four years, I think I got a little lucky that first year because, you know, I was a freshman and um, I was lucky enough to get to start. So I started, you know, and, and, and so I got a lot of playing time and, and, you know, you're on, you're not on anyone's chart. You're not anyone on a scout, you know, for, for a while. Right. So, um, yeah, we actually, a, a great story is we, uh, the first game I ever played was the first game of the Barry event center in Marquette and Northern was the powerhouse, except that their best player was on suspension uh, for a domestic issue <laughs> and we beat them in the first game in, you their, know, new in their new arena. Um, but when that guy came back, we lost the next three times. So <laughs> we got the first one. Yeah, we got the first one. So then you guys, uh, you talked a little bit about your sophomore year. Kinda, yeah. yeah. So then your junior year seemed like you guys really broke out as you talked about. We came did. All, you know, came all, yep. uh, ready to play. So, you were uh, 2002 and 2003 Kuliak Player of the Year. So you're Conference Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, I have you as an academic All-American for your one, two, and three. And then you were All-American 2003. No, 2002, you were the second team mm-hmm. All-American. <laughs> and then uh, um, whatever, the, the D2 Bulletin had you at uh, fourth place or fourth team All-American your junior year. Yeah. So. You guys had already done right. And then you guys made the tourney, tourney run. Yeah. Yeah, we did. The Our senior year was, was an interesting year, and I don't know um, how much everybody knows about uh, D2 basketball, but uh, we ended up um, – we only lost one game, and we played Grand Valley at home on the last game of the season. And we were – we were pretty much a machine by then. And, and it was always, we started the game and we'd be up 10, nothing and there'd be a timeout. And it was almost like clockwork every game. I mean, it was just, everyone was so bought in. It was such a machine to, to watch. Well, you know, I got to give Grand Valley credit. They, uh, we were number one in the nation. So, which meant we were going to host our regional, which had never happened before. Um, Kentucky Wesleyan always had it. They always had all the D one transfers, the guys who got arrested and things like that. And, and, uh, so last game of the season, we had, I had never lost to Grand Valley my whole career at tech. They come up and as soon as they get possession of the ball, they stand at half court for 33 of the 35 seconds of the shot clock. And then the last two seconds, they shoot a three pointer. <laughs> so we were averaging like 86 points a game or something like that. And we lost 42 to 40. Um, one of the most screwed up games I've ever been a part of. It was the most frustrating, just 
Br- brilliant on their part. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Um, can't, you know, we couldn't get something to go down and they couldn't miss. And they're shooting with three seconds left in the shot clock every time. So we lost and we're thinking, there goes our number one seed. There goes our chance to host. We're going back to Kentucky again. You know, well, Kentucky Wesleyan lost too. And uh, so we retained the number one seed and we ended up hosting it. And um, that's probably the, that's probably the, my most favorite memory of anything is, is that place when all those teams came up to Houghton to play. And I mean, the STC gym holds like, it says 3,200 or something, but I think they counted like 38 something. There's people sitting on top of the concession stand. I get, I got a picture in my house um, <laughs> right, right, right from the second half and it shows the whole stadium. It was actually a shot that I took and uh, there are people everywhere. There are people on hanging over guardrails. There, there's people everywhere. And we lost, uh, we, or we beat Indianapolis in our first game. It was a, it was a high scoring, tough game. And then we, uh, we came up three points short against Southern Indiana, um, which ended up later on Wesleyan, which won the regional. They ended up uh, having to forfeit all those wins because they had ineligible players in Southern Indiana had the same, had the same issue. So it kind of, you know, it's like eight years later that all this stuff came out and it's kind of, kind of took away a little bit. I mean, we lost, I mean, there was no, right. there's no question, but uh that was when Wesleyan had Huggy die and Marlon Palmer. Marlon Palmer came from San Diego State. He was averaging 18 a game for San Diego State. Marlon um, Huggy die came from Delaware, I think. They were they were good. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's that was it. That was that was something. That place was so loud. Well, I think for those who don't, I mean, I mean I'm sure most people understand, but. It's tough playing a tech because you're always a lot of times you're traveling. Oh yeah, yeah. And you're, yeah. you're six hours from here almost. Yeah, we're the closest trip was well besides Northern was Lake State, which is five hours. But we go to we go to Erie, Pennsylvania twice a year um, on a bus. You know, I mean, Grand Valley is twelve hours. You know, Ferris is ten. You know, Saginaw's nine, eight or nine. You know, yeah. but yeah. Was, but once you get those people, once you start winning those people just, they just pack the place. Yeah. They don't miss a game, you know, and we, and we travel well too. A lot of tech fans on the road, you know, <laughs> a lot of, you know, so. Yeah. And of course, I think that's when made part of that so sweet for you guys hosting is instead of you guys always being on the road and traveling for, yeah. like, you know, I used to hear that um, with your dad talk about Ashland yeah. all the time yep. with your sister. Yep. And uh, you know, now you, to be able to have people make the drive up there, it's always a little sweet. It was great. And, you know, the, the people at Tech ran a really good tournament. And, uh, in fact, there was an article that uh, that the guy from Southern Indiana wrote. Um, and I, I have it. My mom my mom uh, got a copy of it and put it in there. But he, he essentially said that. He's like, man, this was a class operation. It was welcoming. And everyone thought this is, this is going to be terrible. This is a hockey town. And this is, you know. And it was great. And the crowds were awesome. I mean, the crowds were crazy and, you know, which is neat for, for a place like Houghton, you know, it's, it's, it's way up in the middle of nowhere. So. Well, I think, you know, some schools, they basketball ranks differently in their, right. um, in their sports world, but some gyms you go to and there's not just not a lot of people there. Right. Yeah. And Tech's D1 hockey. Yeah. Now we benefited partly because Tech was pretty down in hockey when I was there. I mean, they were, they, they struggled. The only, the only, uh, the only trivia question that could come out of that is uh, I played at the same time as John Scott 
<laughs> John Scott was the largest hockey player I've ever seen in my life. The, the, you know, the John Scott that had the All-Star, that was the all, MVP yeah. of the All-Star game that got cut and, you know, traded, or, traded or, yeah. like the day before to avoid all this crap, you know. But yeah, he was, uh, I think he was at the time the tallest player in NCAA. And then we also had the shortest one, a guy named John Pittis, who was 5'4". <laughs> That's crazy. So, yeah. So uh, your career came to an end. Uh, that senior year, I want to say that your senior year, we guys went 29-3. 29-3, yep. And you, uh, when I deep dived, I see that you guys are still the – no one's won any more games in that 29-3 no. stands. Right. So um, when you, I guess, retired – Graduated, yeah. Yes, will you say that at the time you were number two in scoring? It says, but yep. now you're number five currently. Yep, yep. Um, I'm sure the three, the, I'm sure basketball changing has a lot to do with that. Well, what also has a lot to do with it is, um, our sixth man uh, was a two time first team All American <laughs> yeah. when we left, right? And we had six guys average double figures. I never, I don't think anyone took more than 10 or 12 shots a game. Yeah, I did notice that when I was going through, I, I found a couple of box scores just briefly. To, Try to get a feel, and I noticed yeah. that there was a lot of balance. Tons. Yeah, that's what, that's why we're so good. Yeah. You know, nobody, you couldn't take anyone away. Um, one of my best friends to this day is Keith Fogel, and you probably saw his name come through there. But Keith was uh, recruited to walk on as a tight end to Iowa. He turned it down to go play basketball at Tech. He's from Chicago, and um, I remember Lake State. Lake State went uh, boxing one on me at Lake State, and Keith had twenty four. <laughs> they didn't guard him, and he just. Just he was a huge six six two sixty, and I mean, he, I ran off screens and off him all day long and just wide open. Yeah, but they didn't guard him, so he he could score twenty four on a night if, if if he didn't guard him. Yeah, so that's why and, and and part of that is is exactly what you said is the scoring was we averaged ninety points a game. I mean, we were just but it was spread across eight guys. Right, and that was what was so much fun. That's a, that was a huge adjustment I made. You know, playing professionally, it's just yeah. it's actually interesting because kind of talking about your team now, it's almost like how the NBA is today. Mm -hmm. Where you know you look at somebody like Golden State, where they're, I mean, sure they have some great players on their team, sure, you know, but it's really what makes them so good is the fact that if you decide you're going to shoot one, you try to stop one person, they got three of the yeah. four other guys are going to hurt you. Exactly right. That's exactly right. So um, I see that at the time of graduate, you were number one in rebounding. Yeah, you know if that still holds. No, it does because I saw another guy. Yeah, had like eight ninety five. I'm second. Yep. So number two in rebounding. And I tell you what, of all the things, that was what I was most proud of because um, my best friend JT Leginski, um, he played center, and I was always a, a guard or a forward, whatever. <laughs> and it was always every game we wanted to hear who got the most rebounds, and that was that was part of the identity of a tech team was how many turnovers you have try to get to zero and how many rebounds you get. And he and I had a battle every night because I was telling him, I'm like, well, you should get all the rebounds because you're closer. <laughs> yeah. He'd say, well, yeah, I'm sitting here boxing two guys out and you just come in and, and grab the rebound. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here back and, you know, like, well, listen, you got to jump. You got to get off the ground a little bit yeah. to get a rebound. So that was, I was, that to me, those are effort. Those are effort stats to exactly. me. That's, 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 that's just wanting it more than somebody else. So. Oh, hundred percent. And I think that's uh from what I've everything I've read and heard, that's exactly really what your team embodied more than anything else. Yeah. Effort, yeah. You know, um, and we're stating that and that deep dive I've done all about Michigan Tech basketball. I feel like I should be on the Jeopardy show right now about it. Um, JT was on there a lot. Yeah, he's he was incredible, and 
I think the biggest thing with that is, is just the mentality that, that, that we all shared. And it was that it was just, you're not going to beat me. And, and we're maybe not as athletic as, as Wayne state. And for sure to a man, we were not. Um, but there was just a will to not lose. And I think that that when people talk about sports and especially when you're at the high school level, this is a big buzz thing. Well, sports cost too much. It only benefits a few kids and we need to eliminate sports because they cost too much. Well, sports and not just sports, it's, it's, it's band or it's drama or it's robotics or stuff like that, where you have to, if you don't get it done, you lose Mm -hmm. and you put all this time in to lose. What it teaches you is to not, is to find a way not to lose, Mm -hmm. not let that happen. I'm not going to be beaten. So when you go out and get a job and someone hires you and you're supposed to do something, those are the people that find a way to get it done instead of just going, well, oh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get, I couldn't talk to that guy. So I couldn't get that report done. Well, that's not acceptable. You can't, can't do that. And that's, I think that's above all my coach at tech, uh, Kevin Luke, who is um, just the most amazing man. he, he told us after our junior year, we went 27, I'll go with 27 and three. Um, and we thought we were pretty, pretty cool. We thought we were pretty good. And he had JT and I in the office, you know, exit interviews and stuff like that. And, and we watched a lot of, we watched practice film every day uh, individually. We'd go up and watch practice film. He told us after, he says, you know, I don't think you guys are working as hard as you can as a team. And we were like, I'm fixing to grab this phone and, you know, <laughs> beat you to death with it. You know, So what are you talking about? How can, how can we not be selling ourselves out? We're not drinking. Nobody's drinking at all. You're just, you know, you came to camp better shit than they've ever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everybody's, you know, we get Sunday off. The guys are going up and shooting on their own. They're lifting on Sundays. They're, you know, you're lifting and shooting six days a week. Plus guys are taking their day off. He says, every day you give me everything you got, you created just a little bit more capacity. So if you give me 100% today, you've just gained yourself just that much more. And you need to give me that tomorrow too. He says, and I'll guarantee you, we won't get stopped at this point. You know, and, and unfortunately, of course, you react first like, you know, screw you. I'm, I'm working my ass off. <laughs> yeah. But then you think about it and you're like, okay, all right, I get that. And, and that, that's when that team decided as, as a whole unit, everyone's going dry. The whole the whole time, nobody's you know. At that point, we're all twenty one, yeah. twenty two. You just and, and and we were better. We were better because you you take one night of drinking, you just erase three days of conditioning. Yeah. And so it just, but but that was one of the things I I got from him that you know what if you give as hard as you can today, you can, you can just go a little bit further tomorrow. Yeah. It's been said on podcast this pod a lot of times that. uh I think sports teaches kids so many important lessons that really have nothing to do with the skill that you no, learn, nothing. whatever you want to play. You nothing. Um, yep. And some of them, I think one of my favorite lessons, especially for little kids is you have to listen to somebody that's not your parent. Absolutely. You know, and I think you, you see a lot of kids. Yeah. You see a lot of kids that are, you know, especially young adults in the mm-hmm. world today and, They'll just kind of come, you know, the, whether they go to work or whatever, and just yeah, listen to you. you know? mm-hmm. and, um, it's just crazy. Yeah. It really is. So I think this is a good spot to take a break for the first segment, yeah. and then we'll go on with what happened to him next. Before we move on, I, yeah. just, I went to Saginaw Valley. Yeah. And every time you came down there, 
and me and my buddies would go watch the game. Like, you know, this kid's going to tear us up. Like, oh, he ain't doing to do anything. He's from northern Michigan. He's white, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, he's going to tear us up. When you guys, you started playing, they were like, oh, my God, they're tall. They're tall. <laughs> <laughs> it's ordinary. I don't think we've ever really talked about Maybe we should probably – maybe our last part of the season <laughs> – We'll do an interview with you, a deep dive with you. So, like, Brad, when Brad went to Saginaw Valley, he had – was it three? Well, he lived in a giant or so. But he had a lot of um, college football players as roommates. Okay. All right. And for a while, Brad was the only white guy. All right. So, it okay. was an interesting mix that Brad had. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they were just – they were amazed by your whole team, but just you. Like, yes. Something special. So, uh, that's nice of you to say. That's uh, yeah, it w- that was a weird place to play was, during those years, just is, because there is. wasn't a lot of people that came. No, so it was kind of empty. We sucked. We were terrible. <laughs> well, you know, there was there was times that the team, the the players, were not bad. They just could never put it together. Well, it just seemed like there was so much turnaround that's. On the team, because yeah. every year there was different players. Yeah, right? yeah. You just Absolutely. couldn't get anything consistent going. Yeah. Just... Well, it's amazing how important continuity can be in a program. Yeah. Whether it's high school, college, or the pros, as you see sometimes. So, uh, yeah. So, well, like I said, we'll take a break, and then we'll come back. All right. So you graduated, and then uh, – so why don't you tell me – one thing I've always wanted to know, how the hell did you jump to Luxembourg? Well, um, <laughs> so I got, a, uh, I got a medical form from the NBA for the draft, and you had to fill it out because you could be invited. doesn't say you're going to get invited. Right. You could be. So I cleared medically and then didn't get invited, and which, was, which was expected. I mean, that's just – I just wasn't – I just wasn't heavy enough and I didn't have good enough handles to play two two guard and, and that kind of thing. But I would have loved a chance to try to get in. But anyway, um, but you know, with the with the all American stuff, um, I started having agents contact me and I picked a guy um who was who had just started his own company. And I don't know why I just liked him. I just thought this may be this guy's hungry, this may be the right guy for me. And so I picked him and and um I had an offer to go to um Beirut to Lebanon, but I needed to be there in like eight days and I, my, my passport hadn't come yet. So we had to pass on that one, which was actually good money. And, and from what I hear is actually, it's, this is actually pretty safe, but you know, kind of when you first hear Beirut, you kind of think maybe that's, maybe I should pass on this one and <laughs> see what else comes, you know, but, um, but it ended up being the best, the best deal, the best money, uh, best situation. So. I really didn't know that at the time, but I kind of trusted him saying, you know, Hey, this is good money. I liked, I liked the, the deal. I liked the contract. And I was like, you know, what the heck, let's give it a shot and see how it goes. And the only thing I didn't like was they, um, it was kind of funny actually the way I found out because I didn't have a cell phone, you know, it was 2003 and I didn't see any need to have a cell phone. Uh, my wife, Megan, we went to school in high school. We were together and then went to Michigan tech. And then uh, we had, we had driven out to uh, Frontier Days, Cheyenne Frontier Days from Tech. Just hopped in the car, drove all the way out there, spent a few days watching concerts and stuff. And 
I was supposed to keep checking in with my agent during the time. So I stopped in Nebraska at a, at a payphone on the way back at a McDonald's. <laughs> called up my agent. He's like, God, I'm glad you called. He says, you're going to Luxembourg. I'm like, when? He's like, six days. <laughs> like, so I told Megan and she cried all the way home from Nebraska because she was going to stay one more year and get her master's at tech. And so, but uh, anyway, yeah, that's, that's kind of how that went down. And, and uh, only I didn't like was I supposedly was, I, I, I was the American. I was, that was, I was going over there to play. I got to the airport and the head coach picked me up and, and luckily in Luxembourg, everybody speaks, most people speak some English and, and uh, the coach said, well, I flew in at like 10 in the morning, flew all night and, He's like, well, we got to come back to the airport at four and get the other guy. I'm like, well, other guy, what do you mean? He goes, well, the guy you're trying out against. <laughs> like, there's no tryout. No one told me about a tryout. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. We're, this guy, this big 6'8 dude, been playing overseas for 12 years. He's, he's flying and he's going to try out against you for the next two weeks. I'm like, okay, well, how does the decision get made? He says, well, you practice for two weeks and then we have an exhibition game and each of you gets to play one half and then we pick after. Like, so no pressure, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, so, but yeah, that was, uh, was an interesting, interesting deal. So, so what was it like playing over there? Um, it was, uh, it, it became very evident that it was a job, uh, right away. I got my, uh, we had an exhibition. I made the team, um, thankfully. And, uh, we had an exhibition against a German team a week before our first game. And I uh, had the game in my life. But towards the end, I took a charge, and uh, the guy was releasing a layup, and he brought his elbow down and hit me in the face and, and broke the orbital bone across my cheek. So the whole side of my face was completely numb. They were going to put a screw in it, but it kind of moved back into place. So they were like, well, we're just going to leave it alone, but you know, not time to make you a mask. So can you play? I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'll play. You know, well, then first game I had over there, I just couldn't get anything to, to go in. I couldn't get anything. So I had 18 points, but I played terrible. We lost. I just, it just was awful. And, uh, the next day I show up at the gym practice. Nobody will even acknowledge me. The president, the vice president, all these guys in the club, they just walk right by me. I mean, just like a foot away. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I get it now. Yeah. I get it. And they were always on me. Cause I, it was hard for me supposed to shoot 30 point, 30 times a game you know i'm supposed to guard the other team's best player which was kind of the opposite from where you completely opposite right it's hard to do really hard to change and quickly you yeah. know so so second game go out there and and uh i mean it was six months that, that everything was numb so i just i had to get used to it and it was just a better of you know what suck it up and just for, forget it or you're going to be going home because yeah. they'll just fire you they'll just yeah. So the first half of the second game, I sucked again. I had four points. And I just remember I had a coach. She was a little French guy. He's about five foot tall. <laughs> She's screaming at me. And uh, basically, I was just like, well, screw it. I mean, there's nothing I can do now except for just, you know. Chuck it. Just chuck it. And just and, and luckily, it just it turned around on that. And I, I had, I think, 22 in the second half. And then from then on, really didn't have a bad game because I figured it out. Okay? You know, it's just – you, you have to be the one. Mm -hmm. And they expect you to. They expect you to shoot 30 times. And really, no shot's a bad shot. <laughs> right. And I didn't, you know, but um, they had a lot of – the game itself, um, much more physical. 
a little slower, not as many athletes, you know, uh, but what you got is, you know, seven foot, 260 pound dudes, you know, that, that can bang. You got guys that are 30, 35, you know, that are just strong, you know, not going to, not going to go baseline and dunk on your head. Well, they're grown men. Now, they're, they're, they're just men. Yeah. They're just, they're just absolute men. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that was fun. It was, it was good. Um, very emotional, very emotional, uh, crowds, very emotional players, you know, a couple of times the guys walk out of practice, they quit, you know, and then they come back next practice, and, <laughs> you know, but that's, yeah, that's how the game is. It's, it's, at least that's what it was in Luxembourg. And we played Belgian teams. Um, it was interesting with the Belgian one time, uh, my first year, um, played an exhibition and, uh, every gym has a bar in it and it's all across the very top of the, of the gym and you could smoke in there. So we're going on for warm-ups, and I mean, there is an absolute haze across the top of the gym, just cigarette smoke and cigar <laughs> smoke and stuff. And I'm like, this is just interesting. You know? So, <laughs> um, so when you were over there, was it international rules? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you the, the biggest thing, and this may sound small, but you, when you get a pass on the run, you have to slap it down. You cannot catch it. You cannot physically catch it. And then dribble without it being a travel. Right. You have to tap it down. And I'll tell you what, it was the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen. Yeah. Well, that's got to be hard, especially, I mean, you're, you're very fundamental. So I'm yeah. sure you were coach triple threat yeah. to be able to grab that ball yeah. with your hands. And then yeah. we're going to. Yeah, if you're on the run, you have to slap it down. So, yeah, international rules. and, and uh, uh, What was the hardest part about playing over there? Um, just, just the fact, just the pressure of it being a job, you know, you, you really, I enjoyed the night that we won. And then after that, it was building up to the next game. And that was what, you know, I was there by myself the first year. Then Meg and I got married the next year and she was over there with me. And, and that was great because we did a lot of traveling then and helped put a little perspective in it, but it's, you know, it couldn't get sick. I couldn't get sick. If I started to feel cold, I just sit in my apartment all day long and, drink water just just try to drain and flush and because they didn't care you're gonna yeah. play anyway um <clears throat> how long was your, did your season go from i was there from like late august to may okay so it was it was i don't know maybe 30 40 games something like that a game a week um but it was great because i sometimes i played friday night and then have practice again until tuesday night so meg and i would take off saturday morning go jump a quick flight somewhere and come back tuesday during the day and go to practice my uh, favorite story I have from your parents was you picking them up in Paris for France in a small car. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had a little Fiat Punto, three-door <laughs> with a stick shift. Yep. They did mention it was a stick shift. Oh, yeah. First car I got was was actually really nice. It was new. But I got in the middle of an intersection, and the, the shift knob came off in my hand. Like I'm trying to shift going through an intersection and then I'm all of a sudden holding the shift knob and I'm in the middle of the intersection and of course covered in grease. And so, yeah, I had two Fiat. I had both years I had a Fiat Punto. <laughs> we were sponsored by Fiat. Our team was. So okay. of course there. Oh, and I also, the, the one, the main sponsor was a big dealership over there. They're, they were like a T-Mobile pink. Yeah. Nice. So our away jerseys are away jerseys. Full pink, hot pink. Top to bottom. Away jerseys, not home, where you got a little bit of support, a little bit of comfort at home. Like you're not going to get made fun of at home, right? Right. No, these are our away jerseys. So every gym we went into, we were all hot pink. 
So did you travel around Luxembourg or when you were playing, then did you go over through all over Europe to play? Our league was only was only Luxembourg. We okay. we went we went outside to play exhibitions and stuff and friendlies and stuff, but but our league there was three professional leagues in Luxembourg, which is the size of Alpena County. Okay. So my longest drive was like forty five minutes to the very tip of the north of the country, and that was my longest trip for a game. Wow. So most of them were in town, you know, like we're just close. So but it supported three professional teams, three professional leagues, so like wow. thirty teams. Uh, what was your favorite part about playing over there? Um, just just doing it for a job was 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 kind of cool. I mean, that was that was fun, and and living overseas was was great. Right. You know, you learn learn probably more about America, or or at least what others are, what others' perspective is of of America than than you do. You know, which is healthy. It's not all right. It's not yeah. all true. Yeah. And you probably have a better appreciation for America. Just, huge. Yeah. Huge. Just, huge so. appreciation for what you have. Yeah. Because you just don't get land over there. You just don't have it. There's yeah. not not big open spaces. You've got people everywhere and there's cars. There are parks, but they're not free to use. You know, you're not, mm-hmm. just no, you know, but the, the culture is so deep. It's so old. You know, things are, you know, there's really a lot of neat, a lot of neat things to see and, you know, our, our oldest stuff is, you know, two or 300 years old. Their right. stuff is like two, 3,000 years old. You know, it's just. I think that's one of the, you brought up an interesting fact. I was just talking with somebody um, last week is that America really is relatively young. It is. Compared to the rest of the, some For cultures sure. in the world. For sure. So, um, you know, when you really think about it that way, it's kind of nuts. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We just some of the stuff we were able to see because we were right there. You know, it's just it's just incredible. You know, we hit Oktoberfest in Munich. Just jumped on a train and went over there. You know, right. and, and everyone that came to visit, we were three hours by train from Paris. You know, jump on a train and you know, that's just you can't do that here. You got to drive. You know, you got to or fly or whatever. And so, but yeah, that was that was probably the best part was was traveling around and yeah. So, uh, well, that'll kind of wrap up. My deep dive into Matt Cameron. I know you liked it, didn't you? It was a good one. I know you liked it. So uh, we have a top five that Matt came up with. Uh, we'll segue to that here in a second. Top five or top five Detroit sports moments, right? Yes, from the last twenty-five years. Last, and then you capped it at twenty-five years. I capped it, yeah, because I can't remember much further back than that. Well, it was an interesting time frame because if you would have picked twenty. Some of mine would have actually fell off. Mine would have as well. Yeah. So, um, and the selfish part of this was just the things that I've, that I've, some of these things I've seen and I just want to share. Yeah. Because there's, there's experience there. Um, I have a lot of honorable mentions. So, and I, since was deep diving on you, I decided to deep dive on some of my things. So, like, I try to get a little factoids and, mm-hmm. Things. So uh, we'll take a break, we'll come back, and then we'll go on to this because I think this will be good. All right, now we're on to our top five. As Steve mentioned, it's the top five Detroit sports moments from the past 25 years, so 1993. And I'll start it off. And number five is the Red Wings back-to-back championships in 97 and 98. First championships, championships for them in 50 years or so. Mm -hmm. So it was a big big moment for them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 
It's a good one. Um, my number five. Do you want me all my honorable mentions after we can debate? We'll do it after. Okay, because we can do that. So my number five, it's going to be uh, Matt Stafford against Cleveland Browns, November 22nd, mm, yes. 2009. Uh, he threw five TEs, so he was the youngest to do so at the time. For 122 yards, most for yards for a rookie at the time. He was mic'd up, as we all know, because we've seen the video most time. And then Steve Sable, who ran NFL Films, said it was in his 30-year history of running that. Greatest quarterback performance he's ever seen. Wasn't didn't he have like a like a separation of his shoulder in that but game? It was too? a non-throwing shoulder. Was, yeah, yeah. Broke which which oh, yeah, yeah. Broke his yeah, yeah. Which you know, I mean, I get it that it's not his throwing no shoulder, but I'm I'm sorry, but most people are most people. <laughs> well, are he was not. in a lot of pain. Yeah. Well, he said because I like I said I deep dived and he said he when he was saying help me up, help me up, he could not get physically up. He said I could not. Get up. Yeah. Somebody had, he wasn't, if they weren't going to help me up, I wasn't going to, he was, but I knew once I was on my feet, I was going to play. That's a great one. <laughs> that's a great one. And it's my only Lions one. I had that's, to hunt for it. That's a great one. And I, <laughs> I, and I, I did not put a Lions one on there because I just didn't feel anything worthy. So, yeah, my number five uh, is along the same theme as Brad's. Uh, I got the 97 Wings Avs uh, Retribution Brawl um, in retaliation for the hit on Draper the year before. Um, they, they credit that moment as the galvanizing of the team to get the final push and, and cement Iserman as a true leader and, and, and get that team to rally around. And, and the abs were just the devil. I mean, they're just the absolute devil. I didn't, I don't think I've hated any other team more in my life than I've hated the avalanche. Not, not so much anymore, but boy, I'll tell you what, well, I think Cicerelli, and he say after the after the avalanche eliminated the wings, he says, "I can't believe I shook that freaking guy's hand," yeah. you know. And, and and that's I think that's how a lot of those guys felt. That what's well, the best thing? That is like one of the best things about playoff hockey, right? Yeah, is that you watch these guys literally beat the snot out of each other because playoff hockey is different than regular season. Oh, absolutely, hockey. we all know that. Yeah, and at the very end of watching these guys all beat the snot out of them, they all line up and they all shake hands. Yeah, I totally dig that. So. Yeah, that's my five. That's my number five. Oh, that was my number four. So, so has there ever been a bigger hated or more hated person than Claude Lemieux in, in Detroit? Detroit? Yeah, because he was the one who hit Draper. And- it was absolutely. Um, Runner test. Ooh, ooh. I don't know if he's more hated. I no. mean, it- right? But I mean, yeah. I mean, that was my first person I pulled out of my head. I don't know if he's hated, really. Not like Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Believe it or not, Rodgers is a man I mention because you're going to laugh at my – when I get to my auto mention, you guys are going to like it. Right? Right. This is going exactly how I thought it would, so I'm happy. So, Oh, that's right. You said your number four. My number four, Justin Verlander's no-hitter against the Milwaukee Brewers, mm. June 12th, 2007 at Comerica Park. Mm-hmm. It was Good his one. first one. Yep. He did give up four walks, so it wasn't a perfect game. But out of the two no-hitters he's thrown, this is the one at America Park. Yep. So it was in Toronto. Yeah. Yep. 2011. So. Good on the boat that day. <laughs> Tom was so pissed. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my number four. All right. Um, my number four is from 2013. Tigers, Ooh. Athletics, 
divisional series, and I know this may sound weird. Max Scherzer comes in in relief, the seventh inning. I was at work that day at Lafarge, and uh, in the morning, and I had decided that uh, I was not going to miss that game. <laughs> so I went online real quick. I bought a ticket. I asked my boss for the rest of the day off, and I drove to the park by myself. And I sat in the 300 level. And when he came out of the bullpen, the place went insane. I mean, the lid come off of it. It just was incredible. And uh, he gave up a run. Then he came back out for the eighth, promptly loaded the bases up, <laughs> and then struck the next two guys out and got a guy to line out. And he came off the field just like, I mean, he was throwing invisible punches. And he was just, <laughs> it was the coolest thing ever. And, of course, that was the year we went on to lose to the Red Sox with the famous Torrey Hunter flip over the thing. But that was a moment that, that I had, like I told you, I, I, deep, I had to deep dive on that one. And there isn't much on it. No. There really isn't much on that. Yeah. But he had pitched, he had won game one of that series and then came back in in relief in game four. Game two, he won. Game two, he won. Verlander pitched the first game. Yeah. It's very interesting that the Tigers, um, how close they've been. And it's just really that, you know, for I always, Brad knows this, but when I started dating Allison, is right when Tigers got Pudge. So Allison, by default, started kind of following baseball a little bit, sports more than she yeah. ever did. And she was just always like, oh, wow, the Tiger is just always good. Yeah. Like, this is just – she's never known him not to be good. Right. And, like, you know, the old three debacle or, yeah. you know, like – or now, you know, when she's like I – and mean, we watched it the other day. She, I don't even know where any of these people are. And I'm like, man, welcome – Welcome to the Tigers. I mean, to, like, to, to, to the Tigers of forever. Yeah. Like, I live in Detroit in 2000, 2001. We'd buy $10 seats and go down there, and you could sit anywhere you wanted in the entire stadium. Yeah. I mean, our best player is Bobby Higginson. Yeah. I mean, they were awful. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. So, I mean, I knew all along we were spoiled. Yeah. I knew all along, and you're 100% right. You need, you just need something to bounce your way. You have to be good and you have to be lucky. Oh yeah. And 2006, we can't feel the we can't feel the bunt, we can't feel the scribble, we can't throw the first base. Like how? When does that ever happen? 2012, we can't generate a run against the Giants. I still blame the star hero and Jules and I for that downfall of 2006. I'm I'm good with that. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. That was my four. Number three is my Lions moment. Encompasses a whole season, ninety-seven season, and Barry rushed for over two thousand yards. Yes, how many exactly? It's two thousand fifty-three. Very good. Because his first two games, he had fifty-three yards. Last fourteen, two thousand. Yep. So imagine what he could have done if he would have actually had more than fifty-three in the first two games. Yep. But, yep. That's a good one. I, I had that one. That's probably my my honorable mention, but I like I told you, I. That's good. <laughs> I know what my number one is. I just got to pick the order. All right, number three, Steve Eiderman's double old time goal in 2006 against the Blues. Or, Dude. I'm sorry, in game seven in 2006. 96. In 96, yeah, sorry. So um, what that led to, of course, was we played the Abs in the Western Conference Final and lost. And then, of course, the moment that you both 
foreshadowed. Yeah. So, um, but that goal it just randomly pops up on my Facebook timeline, <laughs> and every time it does, I watch it because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, one of my prerequisites for the list was, or what I really wanted is, I felt like your the moment. Not it didn't have to, but if it was ever called something, then it automatically gets moved to the list. Sure. So, for example, my last two, which I haven't, but um, in some of my honorable mentions, yeah. they all are things. They yeah. actually are called. They have things. a name. Yeah, they have a okay. name. Okay. So. All right. Uh, my number three is um, actually a, a combo, okay, because they go together. And it's from the Pistons 2004 championship season. Uh, Billups is half court shot against the Nets to tie it up at the end of the game. Uh, in conjunction with Tayshawn Prince's block of Reggie Miller in game two of the finals, which both sort of set the tone for that year. I was at the game with the half court shot. Um, my buddy and I were there and they're shooting free throws and the Nets are like, this game's over. And even JT and I were like, well, this game's probably over, but we just got out of our seats and stood on the concrete concourse at the palace. And he misses, gets rebound, one dribble, and they call it half court. It's, it was it was yeah. three quarter. It was all three quarter. And it goes in. And pretty soon, like, I'm hugging an usher and <laughs> everybody's just pandemonium. And they end up losing that game in like triple overtime. But it was like, you could just tell that was like, that was kind of a turning point. And then, of course, that block was – was. Um, I, mean, I think you knew that was something special then, that something was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So Chauncey's shot is on my honorable mention. Okay. That's the shot that solidified him his nickname. Yep. So he actually yep. became Mr. Big Shot. Mr. Big that. Shot, yep. Um, since you brought it up, that is my number two moment. Prince's – Tayshawn's block. Yep. Because at the time, it was called the blocker around the world. Yeah. Until yep. LeBron's block. Until LeBron's block, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, Tayshawn's block also sealed the guaranteed because that was Rashid. Oh, yeah. That was in game two. That's so right. Whatever she lost, guaranteed, they were the Pistons would not go down 0 2 to the Pacers. So, all that yep. is good stuff. Yep. Yeah. It's great stuff. Number, yeah. That's my good. number two. Good, good. Well, my number two deals with that, too. And it's another combo like Matt. It's Detroit trades for Rashid. And was it championship? Oh, that's good. Yeah, that is good. I like that. That was a huge deal. It was. That was the. That it was didn't the piece. Really give up anything? No, no. And it's so. It's funny as Matt talked about earlier. Like, it's funny how much things can gel and galvanize yep. a team. Yeah. And you would have never thought that, even when you kind of made it at the time, you were like, "Oh, I mean, yeah, we could use Rasheed Wallace, I guess. I mean, we could use him." I mean, but how's he going to work with Ben? And, you know, you're just kind of like. Well, he came from the jailblazers. Yeah. And yeah. then all of a sudden you're just like, holy cow, this is exactly what we needed. Like, oh, yeah. A little swagger. Yeah. When he dunked that, I think he, he did a breakaway dunk and he, he dunked the ball and that one motion came through and like spiked the ball yeah. out yeah. of bounds and the ref teed him up and he like swung his arm at the ref. And then Rip Hamilton kind of looked at him like, what is going on? But that right there, that was. That was what we were missing. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so that's a great number two. You said number three, right? Or two. Just two. All right. So I think we all have the same number one. My number two I already said. Yeah. It was Tayshawn. Okay. My number two is our Maglio Ordonez walk-off to win the pennant in 06. That's my number one. That was my number one. Was it really? Yeah. All right. I can watch that video. Uh, I can watch that video. Watch Leland come out of the, you know, just put a number one up, like 
Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. He just burned one in the you know the in the, in the, in the tunnel going. Yeah, gotta hurry up. Yeah, it was really yeah. He had to. You, you see him like dragged. yeah. Actually, you just see him put it out in his palm. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course, that's the shot around Detroit. Yep. So again, one of my prerequisites. If it's got, if it has a thing, and then it's, I think it deserves to be on the list. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's just a pretty swing too. Well, so you guys already did your number one. So you you. Your number three was my number one. Okay. Is is Eisenman's goal. Yeah. I watched that game start to finish. And when he scored that goal, I just went nuts. I mean, it was just incredible. For many people, when I was reading about it, just because I was trying to find if that was called something, I felt like it needed to have a name. Yeah. I couldn't find a name. But for a lot of people, a lot of writers, because they're coming of age, must have been the time they're writing now, because of that 20th anniversary that we just had recently. They said... uh, that that was their first jump up and down sports moment. Yeah, like they were like, oh my gosh, and like yeah. they had a physical reaction to it. So, so that's, those are things to me that that you know, there are other things that are bigger deal. My one of my one of my honorable mentions was was Miggy getting the triple crown. You know, that's a huge deal. You know, how many triple crowns come around? You know, and in fact, looking up Miggy, his triple crown season, he hit three thirty with forty four homers and one hundred thirty nine RBIs. The next year, he hit 348 with 44 homers and 137 RBIs. So his average went up um, 18 points. His RBIs went down two. <laughs> That's crazy. But no triple crown. Slucker. I know. I know. Couldn't drive those last two runs in. I don't know. Really? <laughs> 348. Well, what year was that? 13. So the Scotch model wasn't involved then. That was a couple years before. Yeah, a couple years before. It was probably dry then. Yeah. So. Uh, any more honorable mentions? That's it. Brad? Uh, Steve Eiserman goal was another honorable mention. Me and my brother and sister were watching the game, and for some reason they were either on commercial or something, and the channel was flipped, and we flipped back to the channel, and the score had been scolded. Like, it was such a half-assed goal, too, because Gretzky <laughs> was kind of turns the puck over the neutral zone, which – who would have thought Gretzky would ever turn the puck over yeah. in the neutral zone? And then it just kind of eyes him in his feet and he just lets it rip from the blue line. It's just it's crazy. It was. So my honorable mentions. I had some more. But oh, hey, go on then. I'm sorry. No, please. Well, Verlander's two no-hitters. Yes. Yeah. And then Armando Garliagra's perfect game. That's, yeah. That is on my list. So that's the imperfect game. Yes. That's why perfect in her quotes. Yeah. Um, I had Chauncey's half court. The imperfect game, which you talked about. Miracle Motown, Aaron Rodgers, Hail Mary on Thursday Night Football. So I actually made a list of all the bad things that happened to Detroit fans. That's what I started doing. I was like, because you were talking about iconic Detroit sports moment. And I was like, you know what's iconic about being a Detroit fan? Bad shit happening to us all the time. So then I started thinking. At least with the Lions. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you're Galveraga. Yeah, got screwed on that no hander, and then I was like, Rogers throwing that BS hail mary with no time left because of some stupid call that didn't shouldn't even happen. Yeah. And then um, Michigan State versus Michigan with the fumble, uh, the punt. So I actually put that on there. Um, I was at that game. Where you at that game? I was at that game. That final second and the TJ Duck is scoring the touchdown. Yeah, yeah, I. Uh, that game for me always because it could have been Michigan. If it was, if it was like state of Michigan moments, there would have been. That's why I narrowed it to Detroit. I'm like, yeah. we just have too much to choose from. Yes, 
I agree. And then I also did, I threw Trey Burke in there. Oh! Oh, the black? No, a lot of the tree, yeah. The buzzer beater in overtime versus Kansas. Yeah. Well, I touched him at the black. And, oh, well, that's good too. So, in the championship being, it wasn't a foul. Oh, yeah, I remember, I mean, you guys, Matt knows, and I know you probably know, but that my mom lived for Michigan State beating Michigan. And my mom just passed away I mean, within the week. And I'm sitting there watching that game, and I was the one bit of joy. Because, I mean, I was just the best when I passed away. And I was like, oh, well, at least Michigan's going to pull it out. Like, and I was just kind of sitting there, and I was like, kind of happy. And I remember Allison got up to go to the bathroom. And all of a sudden, I was like, and she just heard the TV. She just said, I was sat there just motionless. And I looked at her and I was like, my fucking mom did that. I go, that's great. I go, you have to be shitting me. And she goes, what do you mean? I go, there's no reasonable explanation to this that I can think of. There, I go, I, I go, she goes, well, she goes, how did, what happened? I go, the guy just snapped the ball and it's in the end zone. And some guy jumped on it, which was Jalen Watts Jackson, who won, hey, got carted off the field. Yeah. yeah Cause he broke his hip, broke his hip. And then he transferred the next year. Yeah. So, uh, my best friend JT, they had uh, their company had uh, a box at you at uh, the big house, and they still do. Uh, and that was a coveted ticket. And he called me the, the night before. No, two days before. He says, "I got a single ticket for you if you can come down." And I was like, "Well, yeah, I'm coming down." So we got there at six in the morning, waited in line to get to the golf course, and that was the weirdest thing. When that happened, you're just waiting. You're listening, whistle, whistle, flag. What the hell happened? You know, and he's just running and there's nothing going on. And the refs are running with him. And you're just like, oh, my God, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah. You know, like if he'd have done anything besides what he did, they win the game. Yeah. There's no question. And 110,000 people filing out of the big house, not talking, <laughs> not talking. Oh, it's just shaking your shot. It was the oddest you're walking in a sea of people, which is kind of freaky in the, in the first place because there's so many people. And they're walking through the golf course to get back to our vehicles and stuff. And there are people brawling. I mean, they're just like state Michigan fans. They're brawling over here. There's three guys over here and there's five guys over here. And they're just pounding on each other. And you're just like, what, what, what twilight zone did I walk into here? Yeah. That was awful. Yeah. So are you a Michigan, Michigan State fan or are you kind of neutral? I don't. I didn't go to either. Yeah. I, I prefer Michigan, but not not. I don't have any allegiance, so I can't can't say. Wow, well, state sucks. But. Yeah, it's a big game for Michigan this week. It is. Oh yeah, Wisconsin huge. Wisconsin. Yeah. Let me ask you this: Is this is hot take? What's your hot take on Aaron Rodgers uh, after Crosby's horrible day? Well, I like that he went out and put his arm around him. And it's like, I'm sure whatever he said, and like, you know, it was like, you know, you'll get him next time or something like that. But it's bears worth repeating many times to Packer fans that are crying. That guy's won a lot of games for you. So if he can cost you a game, he's won a couple others. Did it change your, let me, let me ask you this. Did it change your opinion of Aaron Rodgers? Or I guess, what was your opinion of Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> it's sort of like with LeBron. I don't, not the biggest fan of him, but uh-huh. I respect him. Okay. He's a great player. I think the announcers yesterday were really on his dick and Packers. They always are. Yeah. Was, well, I think Aaron Rodgers overrated, personally. Yeah. But, I mean, 
not a bad guy. I'm sure he's friends with him and did what he had to do. I was just hope, wishing that he would have missed the last kick too. And that was even funnier. But. <laughs> so my 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 feeling on Aaron Rodgers is I've always thought he's a colossal dickhead. Great player. Usually the great players are dickheads. Phil Mickelson. Yep. Yeah. Just he's just he's a cock. Yeah. And and he thinks he's really good. And like I said, I never really had a problem with that's my opinion. I just don't like him. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you what, do like Mason Crosby that just has a Twilight Zone game where just out of nowhere you can't you change your shoes. He could have he could have gone in and brought someone else in to kick for him, and they'd have still missed it. Yeah. If they'd had his jersey on, he was going to miss it. There's just days like that that happen. But his Rogers' comments in the paper were classy. He even said, he goes, I forget exactly the wording, but it was essentially like, you know, this guy is a one-in-a-million kicker who had a bad day. And it, it's not it's not anything against him. It's not anything. And they still almost won. He says, we, we, we had lots of chances to put the ball in the end zone. He says, you can't look at this game as anything more than the anomaly it is. He says, that guy has won more games for us in his career. He says, there's no issue with Crosby. There's no issue anywhere. we got to put the ball in the end zone. And I thought, you know what? For the, for the quarterback to come out in support of that kicker, that, that swayed 80% of the locker room. They could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. If he had come out and said, well, Christ, you win the game if the guy – Kicker doesn't. Well, I mean, he's forty-five years old. Jesus, please, why do we? You know, yeah, he could have, he could have done. He, he could have done that. Yeah, and and eighty percent of the locker room would have gone right with him and said, ah, oh, you know. But he throws his support behind him and says, no, this guy's this guy's awesome. I just thought that was worth mentioning because I think that that's that's what a lot of what's missing. Everyone's looking for someone to point out someone's failure. Well, yeah, look how bad he's looking. Look what he did. It's like no, no. The Lions kicker didn't have a great game either because he missed two field goals too. Yeah. And sure, they were over 50 yards. But well, there was just something going on with that ball. It was just it was knuckleballing all over the place. You're kicking a ball that's shaped really weirdly, yeah. and you're trying to kick it through two sticks that are in the, I mean, it's not easy. It's not like it's automatic. No. You know? And they, you know, I love the fact that they moved the extra point back. Yeah. And that it's not a given anymore, yeah. which is because otherwise you guys will just make touchdowns where it sucks. Yeah. Seven points. So, yeah. so what do you got going on this weekend, Brad? Um, there's a run out at Chippewa Hills. My one of my coworkers or my boss, his daughter's putting it on. So I might go out and do that. It's ten dollars. Registration is ten to eleven, and the race is at eleven. So I'm gonna go through the trails. I did it last year. It was nice. I love Chippewa. My wife and I ski that quite a bit. I should say quite a bit. A couple times a year. Yeah, it's good. What do you got going on this weekend, Matt? Building the barn. That's right. That's all that's all we're doing. <laughs> I uh got Posen versus Augre. So this is it for Posen right here. Comes in this, I mean they they're in the playoffs, so it doesn't you could argue it doesn't matter, but this is this has been the game that's been circling on the schedule for a while, so Nice. Uh, in Posen or? In Augure. Oh. So, yeah, you got four, five and one Posen, five and one Hillman, and six and oh Augure. So, po- Hillman beat Posen, Augure beat Hillman, and if Posen would be Augure, it's going to be absolutely crazy, which they're probably not same, going to. 
No same record and they'll own the tiebreaker. Well, the tiebreaker will go to Hillman because they're the newest ones in the same man league. And well, it would go by points, which is going to be Augury then. So Augury is, I don't know if you guys follow eight man football, but Augury is the best team in the state. Oh, really? Yeah, they're that good. So they're going to, there's a good chance Augury wins the whole thing. So, wow. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's the type of game where you go into it, kind of like Alpina did with Traverse City, where if we can, you know, if, if the most points anyone scored on Agre was Hillman's fourteen points, I think. So opposing to score, you know, three touchdowns, you're kind of walking out of the field like, hey, we scored three touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Like one of those things. It's moral victory. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, yeah, that's about it. I'm going to put a storm door on my front door. I like that a lot. Needs it. How is the barn building going? Uh, it's going well. Yeah. Um, it's uh, put the water line in this weekend, which was a interesting little task. So, um, yeah, it's uh, I got a crew coming the end of October, maybe early November, to put tin on the roof. Everything else we're doing ourselves. So it's going pretty quick. I tip my hat to you. Yeah. You engineers are crazy, though. Well, I get a lot of my father-in-law is really my head engineer. I, hey, how should I do that? You know, so. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I have a father-in-law that I do that with. Yeah, too. yeah. It's very handy. It's yeah. very handy to have. Yeah. So. All right, well, hey, thanks for coming by, Matt. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Next week, secret guest number 30. Yes. And after that, we go Steve's Cheese. We're going to do an NFL recap with Cheese. Kind of see how we're, we're almost at, we'll be almost at the halfway point in the NFL season. So we'll kind of maybe do some grades and some predictions and all that fun stuff. And then. It's going to be World Series time soon. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cheese wants sports only pod. That's what he wants to mainly talk about. Yeah, so we can do that. Yeah. So uh, thanks for coming back. Or came by, Matt. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. All right. See ya.